This is The Rounds Table. Hey, Rounds Table listeners. It's Kieran Quinn here joining you for another week on the show. This week, we're doing things a little different. In fact, we're doing things very differently. As the saying goes, all good things must come to an end. After five incredible seasons, we at The Rounds Table have decided to end the show and leave on a high note. It's been an incredible experience for myself and the entire team. And we owe it all to Andreas Lapakis and Healthy Debate for their unwavering support and for hosting us on their website all these years without asking for anything in return. And of course, most importantly, we owe it to you, our listeners, for supporting us over the years and making the rounds table a truly international success. In the five years since its inception, the rounds table has been downloaded over 300,000 times and averages about 7,000 downloads per month from 152 countries around the world. So, we thought it would be fitting if we shared some of our collective experience on how to run a podcast for those of you out there who might be thinking of taking on such a rewarding project. Over the next 30 minutes, I'm going to interview each of the six members of the Rounds Table team who are invaluable to its success, so they can impart their wisdom to you. I'm going to take you now over to Dan Marinescu. Daniel is a fellow in respirology at the University of Toronto, who joined our team at the Rounds Table over this past year. He's currently our host director, as well as having appeared as a co-host previously when him and I discussed the sunset trial, looking at the withdrawal of inhaled corticosteroids inhalers in COPD patients uh, on one of last year's episodes. And I'll just say, when we changed our format this year, I was very worried that we'd be lost, but Dan saved us. So, Dan, tell us, what is it that you've done and you do for us as the host director? Thanks, Kieran. That's that's really generous. As our listeners have no doubt realized, this year we expanded the rounds table to involve a collection of multiple regular hosts who feature on the program on a rotating basis. And it was particularly great to bring in different individuals with different backgrounds and interests in GIM to give the podcast a bit more of a diverse flavor. But with the expansion comes the need to kind of carefully coordinate the recording and selection of studies when we're dealing with a group of hosts that come from organizations across the planet. And my primary job was really to manage a schedule for all proposed episodes for the year, keep in continual contact with our hosts, ensure the deadlines are upheld for recording and uploading, and keep track of the presented studies so we don't repeat or present papers that are too similar to one another as the season goes on. I think you and I must have emailed each other easily over a thousand times, speaking of keeping in good communication with each other. Now, your role was absolutely critical to the success of our podcast and its new format this year. That, that goes without saying. But let's get a little bit of a peek under the hood here of what that actually looks like, especially any pearls that you might have for someone else who's looking to start their own podcast that involves multiple hosts. What, what kind of advice would you give to them? Sure. So obviously, it goes without saying that the first thing that you need is a fantastic team of hosts like we have, who are always ready to commit time and effort to the project. And by far, that's the most important ingredient. We organize things by creating an online shared drive that we could all access from anywhere. And I essentially made a spreadsheet that detailed each episode, uh, the host that would be assigned to it, the papers being presented, when the episode would air, and when the recording needed to be completed by. And this completion date was typically at least two weeks before the air date to give Emilio, our audio editor, enough time to work his magic and uh, turn the raw recording into what you hear every week. 
And with that, we rolled out signups for episodes 10 weeks at a time and asked our co-hosts to take on those episodes best suited to their schedule on a first come and first serve basis. We let them choose their papers based on what they found most interesting in the literature and only really intervened if things became too similar compared to previous episodes. Of course, there were a few occasions where we had to do some last minute change ups, but overall the system worked very smoothly thanks to our dedicated hosts and uh, overall I can't complain, I had a really cushy job. Well, I, I think you're being humble, but absolutely, I, I certainly agree that the dedication of all of our hosts and our team members made the whole system a well-oiled machine. So tell me, Dan, what's next for you uh, now that you're halfway through your respirology fellowship? Well, uh, you know, I just received my GIM accreditation, so I think I'll go out and I think it's time to start being a grown-up, a real job in the real world. And uh, in between then, I'll be hiding out in the Bronx suites whenever the opportunity presents. But it'll be great to carry some of the GIM knowledge that I've gained here on the rounds table into independent practice and into the clinical world. And I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity I've had to work with such a great group of people to reach our awesome listeners. Well, Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure to work with you. And we are truly indebted for the skill set and organization you brought to keeping all of us in line on each week and keeping things fresh and interesting. So thank you for all of your hard work and good luck with the next phase of your career. Thanks very much. Let's shift over now to Emilio Garcia Flores. I don't know if I can say enough about him because he has been the engine that has been driving the rounds table each and every week. Most of you do not get to see the unadulterated, unedited audio clips of myself and various hosts, but Emilio has all of our dirty little secrets under the hood. Nevertheless, he spends timeless energy polishing and producing our audio clips so you hear the nice, clean, entertaining voices of our hosts each and every week. Emilio, thank you so much for everything you've done for the rounds table. I truly can't say that enough. Well, Kieran, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of the team three seasons ago. As you know, it's been a super awesome time, and I'm very grateful to have been able to participate in all of our episodes. That being said, I'm also really, really sad to see it go, but I'm more than happy to pass on the knowledge to any of our listeners who are out there and thinking about starting their own podcast. So let's do that then. Let's get into it, as I like to say. What makes up the editing process, Emilio? Well, Kieran, it's great that you ask, but I think a key thing to point out here before we even get started on this is that almost every audio file that you get will be different from the next. So there's no correct process or sequence of steps to go about the editing. And that being said, I think there are some set of things that are useful to do every time. In terms of my own editing process, I roughly break it down into three stages. First of all, I listen to the entire unedited raw audio files. And this first listen is usually where I search and flag any areas that might need extensive editing, repairing, and it's also where I establish a storyline to what the co-hosts are saying. Every editor needs to have a good idea of what's being conveyed in the episode. Moving on, in the second stage of editing, I do most of the complicated fixes, which either I consider focused or general repairs. So. In terms of focused repairs, which I address first, I'm usually dealing with one-time problems like getting rid of a phone ringer going off or a distant car horn from outside or even bumping the microphone. Like I said, there's never one go-to tool that will handle these things and it often takes a bit of trial and error in combining these tools, but what's really important is that you keep a resourceful mindset all throughout. After dealing with the little details, it's time to move on to the big fish the general repairs. 
These are things like residual noise, overly prominent reverbs or echoes, and even disrupted crackling. Overall, these are normally things that are quite constant across the whole duration, and so once you figure out how to best treat even a small section, you can apply it to the whole and get a very good result. Again, for any of these edits, you need to come in with a determined and resourceful mindset. And trust me, even though some things may seem little and insignificant, taking a second look at them will really go a long way for you. Lastly, for the third stage, the real work starts to happen. Keep in mind that so far, we've hardly done any actual cutting with the audio file. So once I'm happy with the edited file overall, and I've gotten rid of any overly troublesome problems, now I start to really look at what our hosts are saying, and I think about how I can improve their clarity and make their ideas flow better. This means getting rid of those ums and ahs, stutters, pauses, and mistakes that the host might make in their conversations. Sometimes this does get a little tricky depending on the intonation or even the context of the conversation, but in these situations, you really have to make a choice as to how far you'll go with the editing. There will be times where it's best to just leave a certain section as it is. Having done all of that editing, on average, every 8 to 10 minutes of audio will take around an hour of editing, and for a full 30-minute episode like we have here at the Rounds Table, I will have made anywhere from 500 to 700 individual cuts to the original audio file. Now that's a big number. Yeah, that's no small feat. You can see why I say that you are the engine that drives this show, literally. Uh, so, Emilio, tell us, what's a laundry list or a shopping list of equipment that someone might need if they were, you know, trying to set up a basic editing rig? Well, I'll be a little brief on this, and frankly, it's because I think there's a general notion that you need some top-notch equipment to get some top-notch recordings, and this is not always the case. Now, if you ask me, I would say this. First of all, let's talk microphones. Nowadays, most phones actually have decent microphones built in that can do the job, but this is only if you can find the right positioning and a suitable location. Otherwise, investing a little bit on a dedicated microphone will really go a long way for your podcasting needs, and it'll be worth every penny. If you're looking for some guidance, I would definitely recommend the Blue Snowball microphone or a similar USB-based microphone. Next, on your computer, get yourself a nice digital audio workstation, or DAW. This is kind of the Adobe Photoshop, but for audio, and although that in and of itself may sound a little daunting, I promise you it's not. Now, almost everyone is familiar with Audacity, right? This is in fact a DAW, and it can certainly do the job. However, it might get a little limiting if you try and get into some more complicated editing. Other excellent options that I would recommend are Sonar, Cubase, or Pro Tools. Now, on top of this software, the last thing I would recommend to put on your list is a good set of plugins. For any of you who aren't familiar with this term, they're basically extensions to your program that will leave you with more tools at your fingertips. I don't want to get too much into these because there's a lot to say, but if you're looking for a place to start, take a look at Isotopes RX Suite. You can find it through Google. And that's it. With just a microphone and a good DAW and some trusty plugins, you'll be more than well equipped to kick things off. Okay, Emilio, take it home for us. Give us some of the practical tips that you've learned and taken away from your experience here at the Rounds Table recording. I'm glad you asked, Kieran. I think this is an excellent question, especially because there's some surprisingly small and simple things that you can do to get great audio recording, even with just your phone. 
So I have two things for you. My first recommendation is to always, always, always record just a brief 10 to 15 second test of random talking before you start the actual content. Then play it back and listen to it while wearing headphones. And I can't stress the headphones part enough because your laptop speakers or your phone speakers really won't do or relay the amount of information that you want to be getting during this test recording. Some examples of the things that you might miss could be a fan humming in the back, some white noise, the wind outside the environment. And so for these reasons, it's really great to wear those headphones when you're listening to that first 10-15 second recording. Once you've done this, reassess the location where you're at, maybe fix the positioning a little bit, and then you're all good to go. Next, think about your speaker. The last thing you want is to arrange an interview and then realize you can't use any of it because the recording is just too variable or too different. Here at the Rounds Tables, we have a mix of interviews in person and online, and so I want to break it down for you guys. If you're in the same room with your interviewee, one of two things. Either have multiple microphones, one for you and one for them, or don't be afraid to tell your interviewees to pause for a few seconds while you readjust your own microphone so that it's suitable for their voice. This being said, never ever ever reposition the microphone while one of you is speaking because it's going to be incredibly difficult to edit out and never change the positioning of the microphone halfway through. Now what about when it's online? Well we're lucky that nowadays everybody's got a phone because this is going to be the number one tool for both you and your interviewees. Share with them my tip number one and ask them to use their phone to record on their end. Likewise, you should use your own phone or a microphone to record your half. And when you put them together, use that dot to align both audio files and take the best from whichever recording you have. Oh, Emilio, I shudder to think the number of times I've done that over the last three years, but your magic has always managed to repair it. Well, Emilio, thank you once again for everything you've done for the show. And it's a bit sad to say goodbye, but I think we're all going to move on to great things after this. And we are so grateful for everything you've done for us here at the show. Thank you so much, Kieran. I really appreciate it. I'm going to take you now over to Shaliza Halani, who's our segment director on the show, bringing you tidbits of very interesting and relevant medical topics that are discussed in a five-minute segment. Shaliza, you have been instrumental in helping to make the show a richer show beyond simple discussion of articles. And I wanted to say thank you so much for everything you've done on the rounds table. On that note, tell us a little bit about what exactly your roles and responsibilities of the segment director were. Hey, Karen and our listeners. Great to be back on for this episode. Thank you so much. I've been so lucky to be part of the rounds table for the past three years. It's been a wonderful experience. This year specifically as the segment director for the show, my role involved creating and recording special segments that we recorded on a monthly basis. They covered interesting topics in internal medicine that are often in the news or being discussed at the time. And they could be relevant to our patients or our well-being as healthcare providers, internists, trainees. This year, the special segments moved more towards an interview format instead of covering articles, and we interviewed experts in various fields. Um, some of our topics included burnout in medicine or end-of-life care. The aim was to keep these segments at a length of five minutes. Typically, we created three solid questions about a focused topic, and that was enough to have a rich discussion for a special segment. I often ask my interviewees before or even when we meet to record which questions they would like to keep, remove, and edit from our interview guide. And 
During this time, over these three years that you've been doing all this great work, what have you learned from this experience you can pass on to some of our listeners who may be interested in doing this themselves? The most exciting part of this role for me was to be able to use my creativity to cover topics that I often found we didn't get enough time to talk about and discuss on our day-to-day in medicine. The show became an outlet for me in this way, and we tried to tap into topics that I feel are part of our hidden curriculum, if you will. Yeah, and I think that, you know, a lot of the stuff that you chose to cover on our show isn't typically, you know, conducted in a randomized trial. So um, it was really neat to be able to cover that and highlight those important aspects that aren't being published in the medical literature each and every week. Exactly. I think there's lots of things that happen on a day-to-day basis in medicine that uh, it's nice to just be able to speak about with some of our, our attendings and other more senior trainees. So what practical advice would you give? What kind of resources would you point to a future segment director on an unnamed podcast to be able to help them do their job? I learned so much from the show and I have so many little pearls that I want to share with our audience, but um, let me highlight a few key ones. When beginning interviews, I always found it helpful to try and create an environment and a space to set things up for the discussion to follow. Um, I found it helpful to spend some time talking to the interviewee just about our show, what is the purpose of this podcast and what are our goals for our listeners. And this way it also provided an opportunity for the interviewee to talk about themselves and their work. And this created a relaxing environment before we jumped into the recording. As I mentioned earlier, a piece of advice when creating special segments would be to hone in on a few key takeaway points for listeners. It's tempting to want to ask everything about a topic, but in a short amount of time, I think I learned to distill it down to key messages. And if it doesn't fit into one segment, you can always split a topic up and record a follow-up segment in the near future. Finally, um, something you taught me, which I found was was really useful, was to think about the topics that might be relevant to what's happening in the news. So I, you know, learned to go through different resources, even, you know, New Yorker, Globe and Mail, the Atlantic Health section. Um, I would also point listeners to CMAJ and the Toronto Star. And that way I was able to look through news sources and get a sense of what was being discussed in medicine and what I could share with our audience. The most important piece, obviously, is to have fun. Um, I've had some of the best conversations, most meaningful interactions, just recording these special segments with all the amazing people I've met. So I'm very, very fortunate for that. Well, you are certainly passionate about it, and that has been reflected in the quality and the excellence of the segments that you have provided on the rounds table. So Shaliza, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for everything you've done, and good luck with the next part of your career. Thank you so much for this experience, Kieran. It's been an amazing past three years with the show, and I'm so grateful for all of your mentorship and for everyone's help on the show. It's been wonderful being a part of this. Let me introduce you to Grace Zhao. She's a third-year medical student at the University of Toronto and has played an instrumental role in helping the rounds table get a name for itself. I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about it. So, Grace, tell me, what is your role here at the rounds table? So, my role is the marketing director. And tell our listeners a little bit about what that means. What are your responsibilities here as part of the team? Yeah, so I am primarily responsible for increasing listenership for the rounds table. So this means that I manage all social media content and find ways to promote this podcast to peers and colleagues to help reach a broad audience and grow our listenership. So to this date, we have over 7,000 downloads per month and have reached 152 countries worldwide. Wow. Hearing those numbers always makes me so impressed. And so what are some of the ways that you've helped to accomplish this incredible feat? So I manage the podcast's Twitter account and use Hootsuite to highlight exciting developments on the show. We constantly are looking for ways to expand our reach. So I help to get the rounds table onto Spotify. 
And to reach trainees across Canada, I advocated to get the roundtable mentioned in our medical classes weekly communication newsletter, as well as all of the internal medicine chief residents across Canada's weekly newsletters. So Grace, you've been with us for a long time now. What are some of your takeaways for being a part of the team here at the roundtable? Yeah, so it was super neat to learn what happens behind the scenes of putting together an episode. There's definitely a lot of coordination and emailing that goes on. And because of that, timely communication is key. That being said, it has been a pleasure working with such talented and sweet team of individuals. And if you're going to leave our listeners with a parting pearl of advice on the sort of the things that you've learned about running a podcast in your role, what would you say to that? So one piece of advice I would give for a future marketing director is to keep organized and have a routine on when to schedule tweets. I usually schedule tweets as soon as I have received the weekly plan from our producer, Emily. And for a future me in this role, I would look into creating an Instagram account to further promote the podcast and increase our listenership. And I know that Kieran had the idea of getting the rounds table onto Air Canada's entertainment system, which I unfortunately did not have the time to look into, but that would be a super neat idea. Another idea would be to collaborate with some of the other Canadian medical podcasts, such as um, the Internet Work, to help promote each other's work. Well, Grace, we are so grateful that we've had you as part of our team. And I truly mean it when I say that you've been an invaluable member. So thank you for all of your dedication and hard work to the rounds table. Okay, listeners, I'm going to take you now over and introduce you to Wilson Kwong, who's a fourth year resident in internal medicine at the University of Toronto. Wilson's been playing the role of director of our quality evaluation program, and I'm going to let him tell you a little bit more about what that means. Wilson, first and foremost, thank you so much for all of your dedication and hard work to the show. Uh, We really, really couldn't have been able to um, ensure that we were delivering the highest quality without your efforts to ensure and get feedback from our listeners and experts on uh, our coverage of articles. So thank you so much for all that you've done. Yeah, no problem, Karen. It's been a lot. So Wilson, just just describe for the listeners here so they can understand your role as part of the integral aspects of the Roundstables team. Yeah, so I guess the main part of my role is to, to keep track of the overall quality of the show. So in terms of kind of what the year looks like, I mean, initially started doing it midway through last season and the role requires recruiting a team of people who can serve as reviewers. So last year it was essentially just just faculty members who listen to the podcast and this year we also added on uh, a team of resident reviewers as well and so before all this started came up with a a survey that they could use to kind of quickly fill out uh, in terms of rating the the podcast giving both quantitative and qualitative feedback then after each episode in hopefully a timely manner we try to get those surveys out to one or two reviewers they send us back the feedback and the goal is to get that feedback out to the individual hosts as well so that if they were to host another episode they can kind of apply that feedback into the podcast episode yeah so i i think you know one of the things that impressed me about what you took on was to say two things one and first and foremost we need to make sure that it's not just our opinion that we're doing a good job or the listenership that as it grows, but actually that we have some experts evaluating our job, but also that we're trying the best that we can to give near real-time feedback to our hosts who are covering articles each week to ensure that the quality of our analysis each and every week that's going out is at the best possible. So there must have been a lot of challenges that came along with this huge undertaking, Wilson. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, I think probably the most difficult part was getting people to submit their feedback in a timely manner, knowing that everyone has, has really busy schedules. It takes a lot of time to not just listen to the podcast episodes, but to actually 
fill out the surveys as well. So I think one of the difficult parts was not constantly, but trying to bug people to send back their surveys, especially during holiday periods and, and weekends and things like that. So that, like you said, we get the feedback back in a, a timely manner. And I think part of it is also, you know, having a large pool of experts or reviewers on our panel so that they're not kind of overburdened by doing a lot of different reviews, you know, every single month. So yeah, so I guess getting things back in a timely math fashion and recruiting enough people so that the workload wasn't too hard for them. Yeah, and I think it's a great opportunity now to just say a huge thank you to all of you out there who helped review for us. Um, just so our listenership knows, the rounds table is an entirely volunteer effort, both from everybody on the team as well as the reviewers. There are no financial rewards for what we do. So thank you, everybody out there who helped uh, review our show and ensure that we are delivering the best quality episodes each week. On that note, Wilson, tell me what the best parts of your job were. Yeah, I think for me personally, one of the best parts was just seeing all the positive reviews and feedback come back from reviewers every single week. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, constructive, practical things that, that were helpful from a feedback standpoint. But overall, you know, we look at the, the ratings for each of the episodes, they were, they were pretty high. So just to see all that positivity was great. And also just being able to play a role in, you know, any kind of podcast as someone who normally listens to a lot of podcasts, um, let alone a podcast that had such a great audience. And so I think for me on a personal level, that was that was very important as well. Yeah, I certainly was touched, I would say, and impressed with our uh, our hosts in the quality of uh, analysis they did. And that showed in our in our feedback. So Wilson, once again, thank you so much for everything you've done for the rounds table and good luck with the next parts of your career. And we really appreciate uh, having you as part of our team. Great. Thanks. Well, they say save the best for last. And it is my absolute honor to introduce you to Emily Hughes, our fearless leader and producer of the weekly podcast, The Rounds Table, without whom none of this show would be possible. Emily, it's a great opportunity to pick your brains a little bit on how you've managed to drive this ship for so long and get a little bit under the hood about what you do on a weekly basis. So tell me now that we're at the end of season five of The Rounds Table, your third season with the show. Tell us in broad strokes, what did you as our head producer do for The Rounds Table? So I think my role at the very beginning of this show is quite different to what it is now. It really evolved over the three years. But broadly, over the three years, I was responsible for ensuring the output of new and high-quality audio content and production every week. So I liaised with our hosts and our host organization, Healthy Debate, and I managed the production team. So as everyone you've heard from so far, that's our audio editor, our segment director, our director of operations, our marketing director, and our director of quality and evaluation. I also communicated the vision of the show externally, so oftentimes that involved chatting with chief medical residents, content experts, authors, journals, etc. And also sort of just stepped in when any gaps needed filling, so things like co-hosting or editing scripts or problem-solving any unexpected issues that came up. So you can see, listeners, that I really wasn't exaggerating when I say that Emily was truly the captain of our ship, from a hosting to producing to everything in between. But... Let's just break that down even a little bit further, if we can, just to give people who are potentially thinking about taking on this role, what were the weekly responsibilities that you took on as the producer? So I guess just the nuts and bolts, if we get down to it, I communicated with the team pretty regularly to make sure that everybody knew what everyone had to do. So I sent out a weekly email the weekend before episode air with a plan for the week. So that included all team members' responsibilities for the week, what had been completed and what still needed to be done. I also proofed the weekly audio and gave any suggested final edits before I'd give the A-OK for episode air. 
I also wrote the weekly blog posts that summarized the week's episode to be published on the Healthy Debate website at the same time as the weekly audio was released. And our amazing segment director, Shaliza, who you've already heard from, took over this job for me during this past year, and I'd proof her blogs before they were published. And again, any issues that came up, I problem solved through them. So things like website issues with the Healthy Debate website, questions from team members or external questions from people outside of our team, uh, I fielded those and answered them as best as I could. So after three years, I can imagine you've picked up a few pearls along the way. What kind of advice would you give to people who might be considering starting their own podcast and looking for a producer uh, or thinking about taking on the producer position themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So number one, I think it's so important to pick the A team and then communicate with everyone regularly. Always be there to support the team when issues arise because they are going to arise. I think once you've picked your team, it's really important to know when and how to delegate responsibilities. So, you know, as the show grows, the work will definitely grow too. And that's something that I learned. So knowing when to delegate and recruit more help is really important. I also really learned that it was so, so important to plan ahead. And Dan, who you've already heard from, our director of operations, was the key person who did that for our show. Another thing I learned was that it's really important not to be afraid to reach out. There's no guess too big or no idea totally too out there. And the worst that can happen is that someone says no. You know, I found that if I was excited about the vision for the show, and so was the team, then other people would likely be too if I could communicate it well. So that's how we landed, I think, some pretty big and really interesting guests on the show. One thing I came across, Emily, was that guests were often pretty nervous about recording and being on air. What kind of experiences did you have under those circumstances? So people hate the sound of their own voice and are generally really quite nervous about recording if they don't have experience doing it. That's what I found anyways. So putting the guest at ease before you start recording by chit-chatting a bit unrelated to the show topic really helped me in the interviews I had with people. So always letting the guests know that you can edit out any mistakes if they make them on air is really helpful. And how measuring our success? I mean, we were able to report some of our successes on our international reach and monthly listenership. How did we do that? Yeah, so what I think we really did well is uh, we had the backing of an already known brand. So the Rounds Table, as all of our listeners know, was hosted by Healthy Debate, which was an absolutely fantastic media outlet um, that many medical people follow in Canada and around the world. So this was absolutely a boost to our listener base. I also think that something we did quite well was having a vision and really having metrics for tracking our successes and failures in pursuit of our vision. So I'm sure Wilson has already touched on some of these things, but we used Blueberry to track our metrics. That's spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. And that helped us track our statistics across various platforms that uh, listeners use to access our show. So things like iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, all of those platforms. And then when we realized we needed more specific feedback to improve, we recruited a Director of Quality and Evaluation, Wilson, uh, who helped uh, us gather a panel of experts to evaluate our episodes. Well, quite an undertaking. All started with the vision of Amol Verma and Fahad Razak here in the University of Toronto. And it's really grown from the grassroots up, so to speak. And now, Emily, it's time to officially sign off. I think so. It feels really weird to be doing this, Kieran, but it's been an absolutely fantastic experience over the past three years. And this has only confirmed my interest and commitment to pursuing more medical journalism projects in the future. So I can't wait. Well, listeners out there, a huge thank you again for all of your support over these past five years. We're going to keep the episodes accessible until the fall of 2019. So you can continue to review and listen to all of our interesting and exciting hosts who have covered various critical articles and studies in the medical literature. 
And after that, it will be officially sunsetted down and no longer available for listenership. So get it while you can. Thank you again to Healthy Debate, to Andreas Lepakis for all of his support over the past five years. And as always, once again, thank you listeners for everything. This is Kieran Quinn signing off for the rounds table for the last time. Thanks for tuning in. The rounds table is hosted online by Healthy Debate. Read more at healthydebate.ca slash roundstable. Follow us on Twitter at roundstable or on Facebook at facebook.com slash roundstablepodcast. The rounds table would not be possible without our fantastic team of on-air and behind-the-scenes personalities. Thank you to all of our hosts, to our producer, Emily Hughes, audio editor, Emilio Garcia-Flores, communications director, Grace Zhao, segment director, Shaliza Halani, host director, Dan Marinescu, director of quality and evaluation, Wilson Kwong, and faculty mentor and founder of the rounds table, Amol Verma. Join us next week for an exciting discussion of the latest medical research to grace the airwaves. You never know what's in store until you tune in.